Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. As I'm sure you can tell, this is not Jonathan Ellsworth. Today, you're here with me, Kara Williard, and you can check out everything else we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so those of you who are wondering where Jonathan is, don't worry, he hasn't gone far, but he did recruit me to get us going on this mini-series all about boot fitting. This is a series that Jonathan and I have been discussing for quite some time, and as some of you know, this is a topic I am super passionate about, so I'm excited to get us going with part one here today. Before we go too far, I just want to remind everyone that Jonathan and Matt Manzer, the global product manager for Atomic Ski Boots, went deep on a seven-part series all about ski boots. They dove into so many aspects of ski boots and ski boot design, and while they touched on some boot fitting topics, the objective here with this series is to dive much deeper into the misunderstood and pretty mysterious field of boot fitting. What that means is you're going to maybe get a glimpse into the mind of boot fitters and it might be kind of scary, but I think it's also going to be super informative. So as Jonathan and I were brainstorming topics and who we wanted to talk to, I knew right away one of the first people I wanted to get on the show is Sam Tischendorf. So today for part one, I got to speak with Sam and we had a really interesting conversation, but what's really cool is how impressive Sam really is when it comes to the world of boot fitting. She operates on all levels meaning she sits down daily with clients and gets them super happy in their boots. Then she goes forth and instructs the next generation of up and coming boot fitters. And she also works on the product side with Technica, in addition to having a background in podiatry. So yeah, Sam knows a lot, but what's great is that she's also super excellent at explaining things in a comprehensible way. And every time I sit down with Sam, I learn a whole bunch. I think you're going to as well. So today's conversation, we dive into some of the basics of boot fitting and some of the things that you should be thinking about before you purchase your next pair of ski boots. Before we get going too much further, I am calling on all of you, the listeners, to reach out to us with your questions for part two of this series. Sam and I will sit down and dive into any questions you have, any burning questions around ski boots or issues you've had in the past or myths that you want us to debunk. We are here for all of it. So please reach out to us via the contact us form on the Blister website, which again is blisterreview.com. Next up, I just want to announce that we just launched our 2022-2023 Winter Buyer's Guide. It hasn't dropped yet, but pre-order is live on our website. What this really means is there's no better time than right this second to become a Blister member. As a Blister member, you not only receive a digital version of the guide, you also receive a print version. And Blister members also have this awesome benefit where they can reach out to us at any time and we will answer any questions you have regarding your next gear purchase. We have an expert team of reviewers that are all here to make sure that you do not purchase the wrong gear. So you can ask us as many questions as you have, as frequently as you have them, and we are going to point you in the right direction. This is pretty cool because let's be honest, ski season is right around the corner. So do not purchase the wrong gear, become a Blister member today. Also, Blister members unlock a whole lot of awesome deals from some great brands out there. Next up, this episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by our Blister recommended shop, Willie's. Willie's is the premier ski and board shop in Western Pennsylvania. They feature a robust junior buyback program, including a hard to believe free gear program for kids five and under. That is so cool. With two locations in Pittsburgh and one 50 yards from the lifts at Seven Springs Mountain Resort, whether you are a first-timer or a seasoned veteran, Willie's has you covered. They offer advanced tuning capabilities using some awesome Montana tuning machines. 
And Willie's Famous Labor Day Sale is taking place in stores this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But it also will continue through the month of September with private shopping appointments. There's a lot more information on their website. Also, Blister members receive 10% off store-wide, 20% off boot fitting, and a $99 season tuning pass, which is valid for unlimited waxes and tunes. Willie's is your local ski shop, and they have an impressive online presence. So please visit them at willysskiandboard.com. Yet another reason to become a Blister member. And with that, let's get right into my conversation with Sam Tischendorf. All right. Well, hi, Sam. It's so good to have you here on Gear 30. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Never done a podcast before, so this is interesting. (laughs) Oh, it's so exciting. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you more today. I think when I first started thinking about this boot fitting series, you were definitely the first person I thought of as far as trying to get you on the show. So I'm really happy you could join us. I'll be really curious to dive in a lot into how you got into boot fitting, but in the meantime, just tell me a bit about how your summer in Telluride has been going. Um, I have had a summer that is very in and out. Uh, summer is my favorite time of the year, probably just because I'm not working as hard as what I do in the winter time. Uh, but I got to see my family in Australia for the first time in almost three years. So I spent a chunk of time over there. Uh, I had to renew my visa as well for Christie Sports. So that's always a little bit of a stressful time, but I had four solid weeks in Australia. Uh, I then went to Italy with Technica for a couple of weeks and I'm working on a super exciting project for them in the outdoor footwear field. So I spent two weeks uh, working far too hard in a delicious country. Um, And then I have just been in Telluride. Typically, I love running and biking and spending as much time as possible out in the hills. But this year, I got hit with a pretty solid uh, concussion earlier this summer. So I've not actually actually been as physically active as I typically can be. Um, I usually run a community run group and that I've not even been able to do. Just mornings have been hard. My level of effort or exertion has also been really tricky too. So this summer has been a little different, but it's been interesting diving down some different tunnels for, for work inside projects. So I really can't complain. How's summer been for you? Oh, yeah. Thanks. Fair enough. And I'm glad you got at least the travel in despite the injury. That's like, I mean, head injuries are the worst. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I've never had a concussion before. And I certainly got hit with a really big one. So I went from no to woe and back to I don't want to ever have that done again. So yeah, it's definitely made life a little bit more interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and summer's been good here. I mean, the Gunnison Valley has been getting insane amounts of rain. Um, I'm curious if Telluride has been in the same boat. Uh, I feel like I have bought the rain when I was in Australia. It rained for about four weeks straight and then coming back to Telluride after our super dry spring drought. It has not stopped raining, which I cannot complain because rain is essential but it's getting maybe a little much like it's not good for the trails because I think people are now getting super antsy and they're like well we just want to ride our bikes so we just want to keep moving through the trails which isn't good for their foundation in the long run but I think everyone's getting a little mold between their toes and getting a little stir crazy but it's so good to see everything so lush and green. 
Yeah, I think everyone I know in Crested Butte has been in the same position. It's like we really don't want to complain about the rain. We'd definitely prefer that over dry, smoky days. Um, so we will take it. But at the same time, it's yeah, it's hard when you every day you're like, I'm going to set out on a bike or run or something. And it ends up just being another rainy afternoon. But um, we are all avoiding complaining because it is a blessing in the long run. Yeah, we never know. This could produce some of that good white fluffy stuff we really enjoy down the way. So I think everyone's just like, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's late August, so it's basically ski season. (laughs) Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, please don't say that. Not Um, yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that'll be an interesting segue if you just want to talk a bit more about kind of where you grew up and then eventually like the path that led you into boot fitting. We don't quite have to dive into the boot fitting part yet, but I know you have a background in podiatry and if you just kind of want to dive into some of those details into how you ended up where you're at. Yeah, I've got a really, I suppose, not traditional ski outdoor industry career pathway compared to I feel like a lot of folks that I work with. But um, I grew up actually in South Africa and spent my childhood going to the Drakensberg Mountains, uh, probably being dragged by my parents hiking. My dad was a long distance marathon runner um, and would go to the Drakensberg to do some altitude training. And so we would often do a bunch of hiking. And I remember just hating it. I All friends went to beach holidays and whatever else. And we had to go to these stupid mountains. Needless to say, I now love living in the mountains. And yep, turns out that was some cool foundational stuff. Um, But we moved to Australia when I was 13 um, and went through life, through school, trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I actually, I went to see a podiatrist when I was in high school because I was doing some high-level field hockey, nothing like too Australian-based as it were, but for our town was super competitive with field hockey and I was in a decent amount of pain. And this podiatrist during my influential time was stoked to help me find a, a career path and he introduced me to all the aspects of what podiatry can create. So be it from cutting toenails and dealing with ingrown toenails and warts to then like um, looking at biomechanics and how the body works and what the function of the lower leg does and the influence of that on the body. And I was like, huh, maybe I could do this kind of podiatry thing because health had always interested me, but I wasn't sure. I'd also thought about architecture as a degree, so who knows? Oh, interesting. Um, (laughs) I then went into uni and studied podiatry in Australia. It's under the Allied Health Public Health banner, so it is just a four-year degree and you end up as a clinician. Um, And I worked out in Western Queensland, so like in the middle of nowhere, for my first few years. Um, But I had friends who'd done the skiing business, and I was like, oh, what's this? I want to try it. So instead of like a 21st birthday, like big bash or whatever, um, my parents gave me some money and I used that to go on my first 
overseas trip on my own. You're getting like the full long story here. This is really interesting. (laughs) Thank you. I I haven't heard these details before, so please share. Um, And so I wanted to have a white Christmas and try the skiing business that some friends had done. Um, I know mom and dad had like skied in the 70s, but we we weren't a skiing family, obviously. We were just like mountain hiking um, and sensible outdoor adventures. And so I just, I kind of loved it. I was like, oh, there's this whole culture surrounding skiing and like people living to ski in the outdoor lifestyle and so I tootled off to be a podiatrist in the middle of the Queensland desert almost Um, but my annual holiday each year I would ensure that I went to a snow area be either to New Zealand or back to Canada Um, and I just I loved it anyway several years later I kind of got jack of clinical work and just needed a break I feel like in some way certain things in my life matured a little too quickly Um, so I took 12 months off to travel the world and I spent over a month in India I went through Europe backpacking I came to the states but I did a winter season in Revelstoke and it was just magical like I worked at a restaurant I worked at a cafe I was snowboarding I was partying I was just having an absolute blast and I've met some lifelong friends um, from that winter season anyway I was like all right that's 12 months it's time to come back to Australia and I started working in a more kind of private sports-based clinic um, in Australia, which was really cool, getting stuck into more biomechanics type stuff. So working with athletes, I would work with a couple of schools with their developing football teams, um, rugby, the great sport of rugby, um, and some triathletes and ultramarathon runners and working with orthotics and shoes and all that kind of thing. And it was really interesting, but skiing was still on the back of my mind. Anyway, My mum and dad's really good friends, Jeff and Julie, are mad skiers. And (laughs) one red night, red nine white, (laughs) red wine night (laughs) fueled evening. This is probably the the level of conversation we're having at that time. Um, (laughs) We, uh, they were talking about skiing and skiing biomechanics and they go to these skiing biomechanics camps with Harold Harb um, on the front range. And I was like, oh, what is this mumbo jumbo biomechanics? you're talking about you don't know what you're talking about biomechanics Jeff and he was like I'm bringing you a book and we spent like till like 1 a.m talking about the body and movement and skiing and I was like oh this is cool this is like biomechanics and skiing and I like biomechanics and I like skiing I'm like how can I do this Anyway, uh, he lent me Harold Harb's book. I did a bunch of like research and investigating into something to do with like feet and legs and skiing. And I came across Bob Gleason in a roundabout way via a gentleman, Craig Stedman, who worked with him for a long time and Ned Buckley as well. Um, And they got me psyched and stoked about piecing out from clinical work um, and just trying my hand at this boot fitting business. And at the same time, I then picked up um, a weekend job at our local ski shop in Brisbane. Um, Snow Central. And so I would work in the clinic five days a week and then I'd 
fit ski boots two days a week on the weekends. And just, I had so much more fun in the ski shop. Um, and the bishops who I worked for are just like this cool family who've been ingrained in like Australia's ski history um, for the longest time and and took me under their wing to, to give me a bunch of guidance. Um, and so like 10 months later, I came to Telluride to work in this boot doctor's place. <laughs> um, I met Bob Gleason at um, a master fit session I went to in Reno because I missed the Colorado one. And I had to ask around people who was, uh, you know, Bob Gleason, this gentleman who I was meant to be flying back from Reno to Telluride with. Like, I knew nothing of what he looked like. You know, internet and social media was like kind of coming to be in 2013, but it was like more young people's thing. Not that Bob's old, but, <laughs> you know, he's he's like our, our parent figure um and i met him and the ridiculous master fit crew yep. um in 2013 and it's, oh that's awesome it's been going ever since i have to say though i did do a master fit in australia with mark elling um okay. in maybe 2012 um and that was pretty fun when i was starting this like boot fitting journey um, so I'd had a bit of a taste of it, yeah. but there's nothing like doing MasterFit in the US, that's for sure. It's having all of those brains together is is super cool. Totally. Well, that's such a cool story, I think, uh, for a few reasons. I mean, I think what's interesting is a lot of people like maybe just like venture their way into boot fitting and then maybe go the podiatry route, um, whereas yours was kind of the exact opposite approach. Like you had such a solid foundation in the clinical work and a real deep understanding of biomechanics. And then you're able to apply that to the ski world. And so that's probably like such a solid way to come into it. And um, I know, I mean, I think I went to MasterFit in Reno for the first time in 2012. And same thing, I was just like, blown away, like the meeting of the minds, like at that point, I was pretty new to boot fitting and just being so struck by like all these people coming together and just learning so much, like feeling overwhelmed. But I think for you, it was probably just really cool to like, kind of um, unveil all the connections between the work you were doing and a sport that you had kind of come into and started loving pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a really cool way of um, being able to put like a job or career and like a, a use of your brain together with boot fitting. Like, I kind of thought I was going to be a boot fitter for maybe six months um, and then come back. I had this whole plan and pathway um, to work in Canberra and whatever else and work with the Australian athletes or, you know, that kind of thing. But meeting these guys and seeing how, you know, quite a few of them are over the age of 50 um, yeah. and that they'd made a, a functional life out of doing something like boot fitting that was using their brains um, but also super fun and, and gave them this this different opportunity. That really kind of enticed me and, and got me kind of thinking about it more and more. Yeah, it's awesome. And you come on and you're like, wow, these are all like 30 plus year boot fitters. And a lot of them were like foundational into the actual like forming of boot fitting curriculum and just what that whole thing looked like. Um, so it's definitely, it's it was very interesting. I remember my first days at MasterFit and I can imagine for you, it was just like finding a new way to kind of apply your passion and all this hard work you had put towards 
the clinical work and this long kind of way of getting into podiatry to skiing. So I think that's pretty unique. Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear your full story because I think I probably met you back <laughs> at MasterFit in like yeah. 2014. And I was just like, wow, she knows a lot. Like right away, I was like, this person is really admirable. I learned a lot from you even that first time I met you. And so I think it's awesome to kind of hear the full story. Oh, you're too kind. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like the the complete nerd of like skiing and boot fitting, but the human that was like a snowboarder for the longest time. And now like, you know, I, I ski and uh, Bob Gleason was like, after a couple of years, he's like, all right, Sam, so if you're going to be a boot fitter, I need you to like be a better skier. Um, <laughs> and now with all these other projects I do, I always have to preface like going to meet people to ski or whatever. I'm like, realize I've not skied my whole entire life um and I like to ski and giggle that is my MO I don't come from a ski racing background I do like to ski to it but I'm not sending anything like super crazy I am like your true tried and tested like recreationalist I love to give it a good go and I'm getting better as I go along but I'm like I don't come from this crazy skiing background that everyone else does which that in itself can make it really tricky in the shop for people yeah. to like, I don't know, I'm sure we'll kind of talk about like the whole female thing, but also like the ski background thing, like being taken seriously and legitimately as not a foundational skier. Is, is It's been a lot of extra work. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, I've definitely, I don't have a racing background either. And I don't think I was that great of a skier when I started boot fitting. Um, but then like through boot fitting, I kind of understood like, a whole lot more about like proper ski stance and how to like become a better skier. But in some ways, I also think it makes you more relatable because, um, you know, like every so often it's like, yes, you are fitting like lifelong racers or athletes and all that. But there's also just a lot of people that don't have like a lifetime of skiing. And so in some ways, I think it's really nice to be like, well, you know, like I actually understand exactly where you're coming from. And that's how I am too. Like I had a lot of boot problems for a long time. So it's like, I understand what it feels like to have debilitating boot pain. And so there's those aspects that I think just make it like relatable to a wider range of clients. And I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, totally. I think it does add, add like a, a cool element to it, but sometimes it'd just be nice to be a little more badass, but you know, whatever. It's all relative. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're a badass, Sam. So no worries. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, so I know we've kind of circumvented it a little bit, but like, if you could just talk about what your current life as a boot fitter looks like now. Um, I know you just mentioned the boot doctors. And so if you just want to talk about what your position at the boot doctors is, and then if you could dive a bit more into MasterFit, because not everyone listening might actually know what MasterFit is. They may have like heard that, or if like people say I'm a MasterFit boot fitter, like that sounds really good. But for listeners who aren't too aware of MasterFit, it'd be good to hear about that and how you kind of navigate the space of being both a boot fitter on the floor, dealing with uh, clients and their feet and solving problems all the time, but also going into this instructing role as well. Yeah, totally. Um, so my full-time year-round job is as a boot fitter here at Boot Doctors up in Mountain Village. We have been taken over by the Christie Sports Group like in 2018. Um, and in some ways it's been business as usual. In other ways, it's definitely been super different. But my job is kind of our lead boot fitter. I am not a manager. I am a 
terrible people manager. Um, but I really enjoy supporting bootfitters um, and educating our bootfitters. Um, I'm definitely a nurturer by nature. My days kind of revolve around seeing customers um, from a variety of different backgrounds, be it our super technical ski instructors in the region, to developing athletes, to I've got some young athletes that are doing really well um, on the race circuit who still travel back and see me. I'll help out some big mountain athletes as well if they're referred in my direction. Um, and I will see the beginner, the junior, everyone in between, um, fitting boots, problem solving boot issues, um, you name it. There is nothing that is too like uh like too easy for me to do like i don't know i just i enjoy seeing everyone and i enjoy the variety in my day that it has to offer totally um, awesome. we do custom boot fitting here surrounding the boot and liner package that comes from the manufacturer and then building a footbed to suit that customer's needs um, and then also looking at deep customization of the boot as well as we go through the process. What I also do is I work with our boot fitters in the, the region and I've done a little bit for Christie Sports but I try and um, create as much guidance and coaching for all of our boot fitters as possible so that they can learn the tricks of the trade because it's a little bit of arts and crafts it's a little bit of science um, and just to try and keep the the need and the interest and the excitement of boot fitters alive you know there's a um there's it's almost a dying art and with the change of how people purchase product these days you know uh that whole online element you know there's a place for it but there's also a place for boot fitters these days too so i'm kind of in charge and trying to maintain the stoking and create some education around our boot fitters in the area and with that, I and my enjoyment of like sharing my knowledge, I started working with a company called Masterfit. Um, so they are a company that's based out of New York, but it's a bunch of crusty boot fitters. Uh, if it I'm allowed is. to say that, we it really are. We like, <laughs> we're so salty. It's wonderful, and I'm like, oh, I used to be so happy and like full of life, and now I'm just as crusty as the others. Um, <laughs> But there's a bunch of different boot fitters from around the, the country, uh, as in the country of United States. But there's also a few in Australia, there's some in Europe as well, that we use this particular method of how to teach people how to fit ski boots, you know, how to measure their foot, how to look at how the foot functions, you know, from a footbed standing point, um, from a problem solving perspective as well, from a way of looking at the biomechanics of the skier. So working with that company and trying to impart that knowledge on people entering into the world of boot fitting. With that, there's also a system um, for how to build uh, a custom footbed for a ski boot. So we travel around the US, um, they travel to Europe, I've done it in a little bit in Australia, basically teaching people how to fit a ski boot. What actually is a ski boot? Because we'll sometimes get boot fitters who come to this training who don't even know what a ski boot feels like. So trying to impart um, as much of that basic knowledge as possible onto folks that they can then build on it over the years. You know, we have some folks who've been coming to Masterfit probably longer than I've been alive. Um, yeah. <laughs> but 
I always get something out of it. Literally every session I teach and participate in. And so I think everyone manages to pick something up every year as long as you have that open open mind. But it's a support system. It's a network of creating boot fitters as well. So out of that is America's Best, Best Boot Fitters, which is a, a network of boot fitting professionals around the world that you know have done this particular training. So they're going to speak a similar language to you. Now, there are other training modules out there. Cedars has their program, which is awesome as well. So it's it's just MasterFit is a company that I've worked with um, and kind of drank their Kool-Aid as to how things are done. Um, There's also another company called DFP as well that that do a different footbed standing too. So there's, there's a few different out there, but I think the support and the longevity and the crustiness that you get from the boot fitters at MasterFit I think it's kind of some of the best. Um, yeah. It's super diverse, but it's it's really, yeah, it's it's tried and tested and we all bring something to the table. But I think what's cool is we all choose to take something with us from the table as well and learn from the participants and each other. Totally. I think it's awesome. I mean, having been through the Master Fit Circuit myself and I think having gone like five five times and always just like leaving feeling like I was like so enriched and I learned so much and that I was always taking something with me that I would bring back to the shop and apply in different ways. And so I think it's, it's really cool. And it's just a curriculum that you kind of can take from like the very early stages of jumping into boot fitting and like looking at the very basics, like how do you measure a foot? Um, And that's actually maybe not as straightforward as some people might think. But just knowing that there's like this whole way to kind of build yourself up as a boot fitter and add all these different techniques to your toolkit. So I think MasterFit's a great meeting of the minds and definitely something that I was able to take a lot from in my years as a boot fitter as well. Yeah, it's it's just so awesome. And having people like you in attendance um, and who really bring conversation to the table, you know, you actually engage, you get so much more out of it. It's like any form of adult learning scenario. There are some people who sit back and are like, whatever, you can't teach me anything. I was told to come here. But you in particular, and there are some key folks who come here and year after year, they engage, they want to talk, they want to learn. And like, it just makes the experience so much more worthwhile. And then those customers that I will maybe happen to see here in Telluride who have seen you or other boot fitters be them from park city or mammoth or wherever else they they speak so highly of each other and these customers are speaking so highly of their boot fitter you just it's it's just a general feeling of goodness and kumbaya it's wonderful (laughs) it is and i think that's you know through all the boot fitting um trials and like all the problem solving and how frustrating it can be sometimes it's really cool to have those moments of just complete reward where you are like really you know you're seeing the difference that boot fitting has made for someone and that they're able to just really enjoy skiing more at the end of the day it's like despite all the arts and science and everything applied to boot fitting we're just really trying to enhance people's experience so that they can have fun on skis right it's like the most fun you can have in the whole entire world skiing. <laughs> yeah. so why not make it even more fun and comfortable totally so i think um before we dive a little bit more into like the things sort of like the things we want consumers to know more widely about boot fitting and then some of like the processes that we take into boot fitting. Um, I'd also just be curious to hear a little bit about some of the stuff you've done with Technica, because I think that's really interesting to people. You know, you're 
you're a boot fitter, you're hands-on with clients, um, athletes, instructors, you're also an instructor. And then you're also like kind of a bit, you know, on the product side, a lot more than some boot fitters might have. And so I think it'd be cool if you could just touch on some of those details. Yeah, absolutely. I am super lucky that I got pulled into the Technica fold uh, four or five years ago now with Leslie Baker Brown. Um, she may know not, not know this or she may, but she is like my mentor in life, in work, in I can talk to her about absolutely anything. But she has really fostered and celebrated and helped me along Um in my my career but she has created this network of women within the ski industry um under the banner of women to women um which is technica alpine technica blizzard or blizzard technica alpine um group uh women's feedback forum so there is a North American element and there is a European element. And she's gathered this really interesting group of ladies, women, gals, um, together from all different skiing walks of life um, to really look at the hard goods side of the ski industry, so boots and skis, but also the feeling side of things, the marketing, the appeal as well for women. Because what we've like found in, in life and in particular in the ski industry is that women haven't necessarily been catered for as well. Um, you know, there's always been the old adage of shrink it and pink it, and there is definitely a time and a place for that, absolutely. But she's really kind of tapped into the knowledge that women need to have a voice in the industry, and this has been one of the way of um, one of the ways of us women getting a voice. And so we usually have one to two in-person meetings each year where we look at product that's coming out or plan product that's coming out and and kind of pull it apart and put it back together as to what in that product be a ski or a boot we need to make the the boot or the ski function be better for us as females um, but then also looking at well how can we make that product more accessible to women you know how can we market the ski industry and the feeling of skiing to to women as well so looking at you know what do you need to pack for your day ski touring you know what are some pre-skiing exercises you could do so it's not only like the the super cool product side of actually getting to develop the product but like how how can we make the product available to women and and encourage women to feel more comfortable um going into ski shops as well and and buying product being part of this women to women feedback forum kind of started opening some doors for me to then step be invited onto what's called project 165 with technica which is the direct line of feedback to the R&D team for ski boots in Italy. So we work with the product manager in the US and in Europe, um, the engineers, so on and so forth, to actually give structured feedback to the boots that have either been created or that we're wanting to create or that we're wanting to adjust. It's myself and one, two, three, four other boot fitters and I am the only female on the team and with Leslie as well she attends the meetings too which is fantastic um, but to be on this really cool team 
for Technica that really influences where the boots are going, how we can improve them, how can we make them easier for boot fitters to use, how can we make it easier for the manufacturers to create them, how can we make it easier for the consumer to use the boot, is the consumer getting what they need out of the product, you know, are we missing a product in the gap in the cycle. So it's such a privilege now being on that team as well. And, and also in that team, I, I really strongly wear the, the female advocacy hat, you know, pushing out for si- smaller sizes to be available for women, talking about the biomechanics of the female skier and looking at the angulation of the ski boot for women. Does it need to be different to men as well as women? Uh, does it need to be different from men? Uh, looking at that forward lean angle, looking at the flex profile of ski boots for women too. You know, uh, Leslie has been a great voice, um, and I think now I am helping her in that in that plight for for Project One Sixty Five, and we're starting to see what we bring to the table on our shelves more and more. And um, like I don't know, women to women, and then Project One Sixty Five. I feel maybe a little biased from my perspective, but uh, we're kind of p- creating the pathway for product improvement and product development within the ski industry. You know, um, Rosignol has We Rise as their kind of women brand. Nordica has started their kind of feedback forum. So I think other manufacturers are kind of marrying, and I think it's awesome. I completely support it. Are, are kind of picking up on that that importance of female product and kind of riding on our coattails, which I think so they should. Um, and then when it comes to Project 165, you know, each company has their own way of doing feedback forums. But I think Project 165 is, has been marketed and is is really consistent. You know, a couple of times a year, again, we meet in person. There's always emails and WhatsApps being thrown around as well mm-hmm. regarding boots and where they sit. So it really is an active group that is relevant um, as well, which is huge. Um, from that with uh, Project 165 and Women to Women and my background as a bit of a footwear nerd um, <laughs> and just always being interested in biomechanics and the world of footwear, the clinic that I worked at for a little while in Brisbane, they actually started a footwear brand or they were working on their footwear brand while I was um, working for them. So kind of got more insight into how shoes were made and what we were looking at and going through that process being like slightly available on that side to help with it from a clinical but also consumer standing put me in good stead to be able to work with Technica on the redevelopment of their footwear line. Yeah. Um, so Recently, I've been brought into the fold to be the product validation manager, I suppose. Um, so that just means you like, you're like, yes, I approve. <laughs> Sam's stamp of approval on this running shoe. <laughs> uh, kind of-ish. Um, I kind of negotiate with the university, which is like my absolute brain dream to go into a biomechanics lab oh, and awesome. like test shoes to ensure that they're fitting the requirements that we want the shoes to work from and like to substantiate the claims that we're going to be making for these these shoes so they're investing money again into wanting to create a legitimate legitimate strong product that's going to hold up over time and so having some biomechanics university research getting thrown into the mix um, is going to make a huge impact on the footwear industry I feel in the long term and the fact that I get to be a part of that and I get to pull on you know my every day customer use 
my own personal use of the product, but, you know, seeing a lot of brands products out there and how they used um, but then also getting involved in the actual R&D side of creating a shoe is is been really cool um, and yeah. so I'm super lucky to to be formally in that fold on like a, a part-time basis um, so it's it's exciting to see a shoe from sketch to production and physically holding it in my hand and taking it on a, a hike or a run and 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 putting it through its paces has just been a, a dream job from my standing Oh, that's awesome. And it's so cool that it came full circle. And so, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's really interesting. A lot of what you just said, the Women to Women initiative, obviously, I think is a great model and one that has definitely been like a prominent leader in the industry. And so I'm, you know, really stoked to hear you speak more on that. Um, I know I've also talked to Kirsten Klein over yes. at Willie's yes. about, um, yeah, so our recommended ski shop, Willie's, uh, Kirsten, one of the owners, she is an awesome lady. And she and I spoke a lot about um, some of what's going on on that side. And that's why I was like, I want to talk to Sam more about this. And then the P165 project, it's cool to hear more, a little bit more about the details of that as well, just because I know, um, like, formatively, it's kind of what has structured the Technica boot lineup for a few years now and kind of a lot of the technology and things that have been adapted into the Technica lineup as we know it. So um, I think it's cool to share those details and then to also bring it full circle and apply it to footwear, um, I think is awesome. So yeah, thanks for kind of diving into those details. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm pretty lucky, I have to say. Like I I know I'm I'm learning to be a bit more like I've worked pretty hard to get where I am, but still, holy smokes, I'm so lucky to be a part of these um these this industry and these different projects. Like it's it's extremely humbling and little Australian me, here I am putting my mark on a pair of ski boots is is kind of funny in my mind, but just blows my mind because it's so awesome. Yeah, it's always cool to hear people's path and to how they got where they are. And of course, it is a lot of hard work and dedication. And I mean, your passion for podiatry early on, like definitely set you up and uh, you've put in the time. And now it's just really cool to see how all those things can come together so that you have like your dream job where it's like, yeah, I do get to ski and enjoy my time in the mountains and help people with boots. And it's just, you know, enhance everyone's experience out there. So it's, it's awesome to hear. Yeah. It's all in the name of fun. Yeah, that's why we're doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I think next we'll just kind of pivot a little bit and we can start talking about like some of the things that we wish consumers knew more widely, maybe about boot fitting. And so I think it'd be interesting to kind of like walk through the process. Like, of course, boot fitting is so important. Um, I, I heard you mention earlier about like the kind of um, model for purchasing has changed a lot. But that doesn't mean that the way people buy boots should ever change because it's it's really rested in like this human to human interaction and being able to like see someone's foot and sit them down and really ask them all the right questions. And so I'd be curious to kind of just hear like what your approach to boot fitting is when someone comes into the shop. How are you getting to know a customer? And why is that like first step of just like getting to know the person really important to the entire process? It really like boot fitting is personality. It really you can you can look at two sets of feet that 
it could be say on twins like their whole body structure is exactly the same but totally. there is such personality involved in boot fitting be it the person's confidence on their ski terrain uh how much they ski how they like things to feel like there's there's just so much to it and i think the takeaway um really and and the the thing that i wish everybody knew is that it's never perfect it's never 100% um there is a human factor to it be you as the consumer the human your boot fitter as a human mm-hmm. um there can be menu like minor manufacturing errors as well like there are so many tiny little things that can make or make, break your boot fitting but as long as you're like 85 90 95% happy yeah, that's the main thing. Like, we had this sticker that was produced <laughs> a couple of years ago um, because we were just finding some of our boot fitters were struggling kind of with their communication, and sometimes it did yeah. come down to the com- the c- consumer in that we were doing absolutely everything we could for whomever it was, and it didn't come down to the boots. It came down to the consumer. So it said, "It's not the boots, dude." you suck, which is maybe a little obnoxious and maybe a little too extreme, but just knowing that there are different elements to it. Like you can be having a crappy day on the mountain because your brain is at work. Your brain is looking after your kids. Mm -hmm. Your brain is somewhere else. And so it feels like your equipment is failing you because you're not concentrating on the task at hand. So just knowing going into boot fitting that it's all about feeling um, and function as well, but it's, it's like how you can feel. Uh, but there is that human element of the boot fitter that can help to explain to you why things are like mm-hmm. they are. Um, we can put all of the science and measurements out there, but it still comes down to you as a skier and the terrain that you're on, the resort, the snow, all those different factors. If we can try and eliminate them all, great. The boot should be absolutely perfect. But there's always something that's a little bit odd. That yeah. being said, like having a wonderful com- conversation with your boot fitter makes all the difference. I get to meet some of the most fascinating people because mm-hmm. of being a boot fitter, because we're having a fluid, comfortable conversation, talking about our feelings. We're talking about how the boots feel, how they should feel, how we want them to feel. Um, and that can open up some kind of vulnerabilities and, and ways of of looking at um, skiing and ski boots and, and equipment. You know, there's a little bit of technology coming out these days. It's all about scanning the foot and having a foot scan, um, making recommendations for what boots are going to work for the consumer. I think that that technology is really awesome. It's super interesting. But again, it doesn't take into consideration the um, the human element as to mm-hmm. how you want your boot to feel. So kind of my first thing that I I get when I I have my customers sit on the benches, I just get like a feel for them as a person. Like, how are they going to take me? How am I going to take them? What is my level of crust for the day? You know, (laughs) what am I kind of willing to like flow through? And sometimes I'll like start out with a customer, like a little snippy. And by the end, we'll be like best of buds because we've gone through a process or it could be the complete opposite or it's just neutral. But it's like, I'm sizing you up, not only physically like getting your, your, your boot size, but I'm asking you a series of questions about, mm-hmm. you know, what have you liked about your old boots? What do you, do you even have old boots? What have you liked about rental boots? How do you feel about shoes? Do you like things that are tight? Do you like things that are loose? You know, were you an ice hockey um, mm-hmm. player? Are you a ballet dancer? Like all totally. of those things can like affect how you want your foot 
to feel inside of a ski boot that sure do a ton of reading about boots before you come in for a boot fitting buy a pair of boots online if you're like really sure that it's, it's going to be that way but the human element of a boot fitter is really going to help you to get that final feeling of the product so it's like that balance it's so important to point out because there is like so many technological advancements and maybe, you know, like all these different ways to actually like really, you know, measure a foot and like actually like get the full reading or scan of like what that foot looks like. But there is so many human elements involved that will never go away. And that's why I think like boot fitting is just rooted in this human interaction. And I think, you know, sometimes sitting a customer down on the bench, it always be interesting because, um, you know, before you're even talking boots, you're like just chatting with them, getting to know them. And they're like ready to jump like right into the, you know, the boot model that they've been looking at or whatever else it may be. But you're like, well, let's talk about like your athletic history or your history of injuries and all these things that are really crucial to that process. And so I think the human element is one that um, can never successfully be like technologically uh, eliminated phased out. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen. And so I think that's a really important thing for people to think about as they're reading about boots or as they're like, Oh, this boot sounds really interesting. It's, it's still going to bring you to a boot fitting bench with a boot fitter. Um, ultimately, no matter which direction you go, unless you have like your own boot fitting skills, in which case that's awesome. Good, yeah. good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, totally. And there are a lot of people that that do that too. So it's like, I'm not I'm not dissing what you as a consumer want to do, like pick your journey. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. um, I think also from like an employment standpoint, I think ski, re- ski and ski boot retailers still do need to have educated boot fitters working with them. Um, I think it is important because that's still going to keep some level of of business and people in the shop. And, you know, the adage of like they come in for boot fitting and they end up spending $1,000 on accessories or whatever else, their refit was free, but they spent a ton of money. Like there is that little element to it too. But I I don't know, I'm a terrible salesperson. I couldn't care less in the end about how (laughs) much money people spend as long as they're sort of happy and giggling on the mountain. Um, but you know, having that boot fitting skill and that art of boot fitting within your, your ski shop is, it's still relevant. It's still there. And it's something that, you know, how do we get people to still work as boot fitters? Like is one of the questions that more and more, um, we're trying to ask ask the question in the industry of like, how do we keep these employees around that are stoked on a craft for years and years that they can be those crusty master fit boot fitters that are 55, 60 years old um, teaching the art. So there's, there's that element, but yeah, you've got to be prepared to come in and see a boot fitter and, and talk through your issues. Like you might not necessarily need a footbed. You might not necessarily need to be canted, but you might need to have a punch because you have that really gnarly inside ankle bone. You might need your tailor's bunion dealt with. You might need to talk to someone about whether or not you need a heel lift. Like you may need someone to install your car for you as well. Like there are so many different reasons to like make friends with a boot fitter and have a boot fitter and around it, it makes such a big difference. But I'm not saying don't buy your boots online um, and don't read all the articles and, and try because, you know, a lot of the time it's getting easier and and better for people to make those informed choices online but yeah having that that boot fitter in your court um can make such a big difference yes 
undoubtedly. And um, yeah, I think it's just important to kind of remember that it is a service industry and the more we can support like this really niche service industry, the more we can help it grow. I think like coming up with that next generation of boot fitters is going to be essential to the ski industry as a whole. Um, so I don't think the ski industry could successfully go on without a really solid like foundation of boot fitters um, to kind of bring people up in the sport and to keep them comfortable. Yeah, a scanning device is not going to replace the seven boot fitters you really need on staff. Like it's <laughs> it's going to be a helpful tool while those boot fitters get to um, learn what product fits how and why. Um, but it shouldn't be the be all and end all. We actually had one of our new hires for this winter come in the other day and he's like, Sam, when do I start? And I'm like, well, I'm not in charge of that because I'm not in charge of people management. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, when you do start, you are just going to bring socks in. And like the first thing I want people to do is try on boots and work on their own boot brain inventory yep. so that you can select that boot and like whittle down what boot that your customer needs to try on. And like you don't get that any other way than as a boot fitter trying on ski boots and having an understanding of the inventory and the nuance between one boot versus the other, be it the 130 to the 120 or be it three 130s across like you know Cara like all the different million boots that we've sold in boot doctors how do they all fit and why do we pick these three and you that know, first task that every season is put every boot on your foot and use your foot and what you know about your foot as a reference point um, to kind of understanding that whole lineup of boots that's on the wall so that when that foot comes in you kind of know which direction to go and I think that's also been so helpful in my journey as a reviewer for Blister because I can really like, I have this whole foundation of like being able to reference boots in comparison to one another and um, kind of take what I know about my foot and sort of parcel that out as, and look more objectively at like what the boot is really good for. Yeah, totally. And like, is the boot actually fulfilling the criteria that it says it does? It's fine if it doesn't, but then what criteria can I put to it? Um, yeah. And I think that's that's a really cool thing as a consumer then coming in and seeing a boot fitter that has got years of experience because that boot fitter has seen, you know, how a particular boot has changed through the years um, and why it is like it is today. And is it a good thing, a bad thing? Everyone's going to have an opinion. They're like apples. But, you know, having that boot fitters experience when you come in for for reworking of your your boots or, or buying boots initially that they they can speak so freely to how a boot fits and feels i think that just creates such confidence from a consumer perspective too that oh wow this person actually knows what they're talking about they're understanding what they see in front of them what i'm telling them as to what's going on whether or not they can fix it that can be a whole different kettle of fish but like half of it is being understood and listened to yeah and i think that's like the one thing you know you learn more and more about like all the different like anatomical nuances of different feet and the, you know, different structures of people and how they fit inside that ski boot and always thinking about like, you know, their flexibility, their ankle joint and things like that. But I think the hardest skill and the one that took more time was actually the communication to the consumer. And so being able to really communicate well, like what a boot's going to feel like and what it should feel like, and being able to kind of forecast some of the experiences and some of the things that you know they're going to be the 
person in front of you is going to be going through like, okay, you're going to go into this boot and your toes are going to touch the front of the boot, but like, don't be alarmed. And so just kind of some of those uh, communication techniques that it's like, it really helps relate to the customer and they're able to be like, okay, like, you know, exactly what I'm experiencing as I slide my foot in this brand new boot. And so the communication is a huge part. It really is. And it like, being able to speak so offhandedly ab- about that sort of thing and what their experience is. And like, I don't ever want to preempt what a customer should be feeling because then that can put ideas in their head incorrectly. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, sometimes I do find myself doing that because I'm like, oh, I know this is exactly what you're going to feel. And I've worked you out as a person. You're going to say this to me. Like, I'm going to say it, but I still, I'm like, I'm totally fine with you saying it to me anyway, yeah. but I'm just preempting it. Um, but it it really does show off your skill as a boot fitter, knowing how things are going to fit and feel. Um, and it's also your, your reason of your justification for the customization of the boot. Like you have this weird little knob on your baby toe, no matter what boot we put you in, you are always going to feel it. I'm more than happy to sit here and try six boots on you. I get paid by the hour. Like (laughs) we, we, we can try all six of them on, but because of X, Y, Z on your little knobby with your toe, if I do this to whichever boot we pick, you're going to find it to be so much more comfortable. But being able to clearly empower that person to make the decision, but also empower them that you see what's going on, you see why it's been imperfect, and this is like this is actually something we can fix. Uh, my kind of joke that I have with my colleagues um, and um, customers is like, I've got an answer for everything. Like, you bring something to the table for me, I'm like, oh, well, that's because of this, or that's because of that, and it's like. It makes they like they either like it or they don't because yeah. it's like you can either solve the problem or not or you're like are you bullshitting me? It's part of my language, but it's like well no, I've got to be able to like predict what could become an issue and like I always try and leave my boot fitting sessions with a customer with an idea as to what maybe they might find to be an issue down the track like I have a feeling that you might need this to be done I don't want to do it now because it might either be at a seven or it could be at a three so let's give it one day skiing and I'm lucky enough that I work on a resort hill that people can take a boot for a ski but I try so much easier (laughs) yeah but I think part of it is educating that that consumers like like we were saying earlier um why something feels like it does like when they understand that you understand what they are going through through and you can justify it like this is how I know the boot's going to feel and this is going to happen you have like way less issues because it's this obnoxious rigid plastic vessel going onto someone's foot of course there's going to be an issue but like empathizing that it's going to create the issue because you've either felt it yourself um or that boot is known for it or that foot is known for it like it's it gets rid of like half the problems yeah, we're being very transparent. Yeah, totally. My favorite is when like someone comes in and they like just drop their boots off me and they were like, you were right. And I'm like, like, it's not like an elevated ego thing that I was right. It was like, oh, okay, I did predict that correctly. Like I was like on point looking at what was happening with them. Like I did like everything functionally is happening as I planned it to. Like Obviously, I want my consumer to have less and less issues down the the track. But if I can prepare them that something might go wrong, and if I if I can kind of preempt it, 
it means that I've looked at everything correctly. And so it's kind of like a, a tick for me that I'm doing my job correctly, that it's not that I'm right and that I'm like always right and should be right. Absolutely not that. But it's like I took all of my problem solving areas correctly that I predicted this was going to happen. And it's okay because it's not something I completely left or field and that right. I've completely mucked something up. Yeah. And it's resolvable and we'll just make a tweak and it'll yeah. feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And so I think, you know, there's that kind of getting to know the customer, really having that open communication on both ends. Um, then there's, of course, like the boot selection process, which we don't have to go too deep into that. Um, but I think it'd be interesting for people to hear, like, once they have that boot that, you know, you've narrowed it down, um, there's, of course, going to be that that customization process. And for those people who maybe haven't walked through that process, um, you know, what does that look like for a lot of people? I know there's feet that like you get them in a boot, you get them in an insole and they're just like set sailing, they're feeling great. Um, and then there's a lot of people who don't have that exact experience. And so um, when it comes to the actual like process of tweaking it and maybe, you know, breaking the boot in, um, what are some of the things that people can expect and maybe like what that process should look like is from like a patient's standpoint as well? Totally. I think I've put it down to like, out of all the, the feet that I see, I reckon I only don't see 30% once more. Like mm -hmm. I just prepare people through the fit process. Like you're going to see me at least once, if not twice for us to make a tweak or an adjustment, like yep. don't stress. And in the end, it is this kind of crazy rigid plastic vessel um, that is going around your foot. So it's completely not normal to anything that you have on your body. It's not normal, the activity that you're doing either. So yep. what you're wanting to be doing with your boot fitter and in selecting the boot is really just to try and find the boot that fits as good as possible. Like with all of the options that they're that they are putting forward hopefully you get to a point where there's two boots where you're feeling similar issues because that means that maybe your boot fitter has really nailed um the shape of the boot or the flex of the boot but it might just be like a final like lumpy bump that needs to be stretched out or ground or like a bigger buckle adjustment or something like that but that you get to a point where you're kind of like tossing up between like maybe two boots or there's just a definite one yes yep. that you you can see yourself skiing in the boot like picture yourself like okay I'm sliding down the mountain I know that when I'm in my correct ski position I'm gonna be forward when I'm not skiing like Sam who sometimes finds herself in the back seat my toes jammed to the front of the boot like things are gonna feel good so part of it is like my skiing balance but like just knowing that you've had the conversation with the boot fitter that the correct boot for you is the one that really fits as good as possible. And that when they talk about how they can make the boot feel even better for you, it doesn't seem super dramatic. Like you're not going to be cutting things or like <laughs> replacing uppers and lowers, whatever else. Like, no, 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 no. It should be like, oh, that'll be a simple inside stretch or like a pad or a grind here or something like that. Or, okay, I know I've got like exceptionally odd feet. Like I've got four extra lumps on my foot or I'm missing a toe or like I've got a non-healing wound or I have a neuroma. Like I know, and this person has prepared me that I'm going to need a little bit more work done. And that's because of that that personal element. But for you to feel confident in your purchase, 
it should be as good a boot as possible, as close to 95% as possible, with maybe a predictable one to two visits back to the boot fitter. It shouldn't be at a point that it's super comfortable, that you're just like, sloshing around like yeah, when that people should be a red flag if it's so comfortable you should yeah. be actually concerned yeah and it's not that ski boots are uncomfortable they just they're tolerable they're ski boots they're plastic they're hard they're kind of cold like whatever they're not slippers they're not slippers when people are like oh my boots fit like slippers I'm like well you wear really bad slippers um or it's also an indicator that they're their foot is nestling correctly inside the boot like they understand how the boot should feel and that is it. So I think your confidence in like making your final check with your purchases, once you've had either all of your customization done or you know what needs to happen, that you as the consumer are stoked. Do you want to be excited about putting your ski boots on to go ski? Um, you shouldn't even really think about it other than ski boots are really hard to put on and take off and there is no boot that is easy. But it should just be, it should be natural. It shouldn't be like we're going to have to do seven different things to make this work for you. Yep. Unless you really do have that foot, which every so often there is that person. Yeah, totally. And sometimes it's also the personality as well. There are some people who always need an excuse to not ski. Or there are some people who just want to come in and hang out or whatever. Like, it's totally fine. Um, But some feet, like you say, they do require that extra help. (laughs) Which my foot is definitely in that category. But thankfully, I am a boot fitter, so I don't have to bother anyone else. I think I've created feet more in that category because I don't do any of my own boot fitting. I am the worst. I am the plumber that has plumbing that doesn't work. I am the boot fitter who just deals with like numb feet or like growing bone spurs because I'm the like, classic conundrum. Oh, You're I like, should do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God forbid my locker is right next door where I go and change and put my boots in. But why would I bring them into the shop and fix them? (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely been guilty of that as well. Especially when you're, you know, boot fitting for nine hours a day. You're like, yeah, whatever. I'll just deal with it. Time to go ski. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just, just let me get out. And you're like, oh, this is why I stopped skiing early the other day. And it is, it's like customers are like, oh, your boots must feel great. It's like, no, our boots fit terribly because we spend our time fixing your boots. So And it's not that we're bad boot fitters. It's just that we can't be bothered with our own boots. Yes, no doubt. Um, Is there any, like, I guess you would call them like boot fitter red flags. Like if someone listening to this is like really, you know, they're like, I need to go get a new boot. Um, I've definitely been lacking in this process as far as getting the right boot for my foot and like getting the boot customized. Um, And they were to like end up at a shop and they're like, maybe there's like certain things that just like aren't happening while they're... um, on the bench or like that their boot fitter isn't asking them or I guess like a big one would be like is that boot fitter like not touching your foot like things like that that like that just probably means you should maybe find someone somewhere else to go because you could probably have a better experience. I mean there are certainly red flags when it can come to uh, your experience with the boot fitter. It's it's so hard to to kind of put a global red flag. It's like dating. I won't do that. I'm like single girl for life but it's like like boot fitters have different ways of doing things Mm -hmm. absolutely they should be measuring your foot 
for getting the size of the boot. Like there should be no question asked. Like I've had people who've come in and they're like, oh, they just asked me what size my shoe was and sold me that. Like that is like hands down the thing is like measuring the foot and maybe seeing you do like some knee bends or looking at your foot. Like there's got to be that. Like sometimes I'm like if I'm doing a refit, I, I can kind of see like what could be an issue. And so just because I may be not directly touching you straight away, but I can usually see like there might be a shift in your plastic or something else that I'm like, oh, I know exactly where that needs to be. So it's kind of hard for me to say, well, if someone isn't marking you up correctly, they're doing yeah. it wrong because then that's me potentially calling the pot black. But I like if they're just not engaging in conversation with you, if they're not actually interested in hearing more of your story, then it's kind of a red flag that things aren't going to go well. I understand everyone has a bad day or they might have 75 things on their mind, but that is also when you might need to like exercise a bit of patience and be like, hey, just wanting to double check that you're doing this, this and this. And if they can't justify you why they're doing something or not doing something, that's going to be your lack in communication. And like not everyone, not everyone gets along. Like your personality doesn't have to blend with mine. Mine doesn't have to blend with you, but you might maybe blend really well with my colleague, Holly, or you might blend really well with my colleague, Pete. Like you, it's, it's you as a boot fitter knowing when to say no, but it's also you as a customer just being like, you know what? Although this person is meant to know a lot or this person came across as knowing a lot, maybe I just might get a second opinion. Like you're entitled to that completely. Um, but just know, like do a little self-reflection on your on your communication. Um, yeah. it's just, I think that's a great reminder too because it is such a personal interaction. Like that it's like, let's just, we can both like check check each other and kind of make sure that that communication is flowing. And maybe it is just like that particular situation. Um, sometimes it's good to like have, like we'll get the next boot fitter in um, my colleague and they'll, you know, have a different perspective on it. And yeah. there is a little bit of that too. Yeah. And like, I can sometimes be like, I have no idea what's going on. Like I have tried everything in my toolbox. I literally don't know what's going on. Um, and that's fine. And, you know, when it is like that super busy festive season week or spring break or whatever else, like your boot fitter might be under a lot of pressure that they can't necessarily stop and have a really long conversation with you about things. Understand that. But don't be afraid to like butter them up with a coffee or something and just be like, hey, like, can you just explain this a little bit more? Like I'm feeling a disconnect or um, like what you did was really awesome. But for your own personal knowledge as to like why something happened, don't be afraid to ask the boot fitter those questions. Like I love explaining stuff to my customers. Like I will talk until the cows come home, but I also do struggle if I'm working with two other people and whatever else, like you're not going to get like the really good explanation that I maybe really want to tell you, but like, like pick that time. But you know, a good boot fitter should be able to explain to you why something is happening mm-hmm. and why this way will fix it. And like boot fitter has a lot of like counterintuitive action, like action and reaction. Like you think, well, because of this happening, this lumpy bump happening over here, this is where you should stretch the plastic. Why are you stretching it on the opposite side? It's like, you as a boot fitter have to be able to explain to them, oh, totally. well, because of this particular function. So have that conversation, um, but maybe just pick your time yeah. when you're having that conversation with your boot fitter. 
I think it's a good one too, because in those explanations and being able to kind of really like, you know, divulge like why something is feeling a particular way or like maybe what the experience is going to be when someone goes out on the hill based on like something they just learned about their anatomy or whatever else. They're like, oh, I had no idea I had a rigid ankle joint. That's so interesting. And then they can go out and they're skiing and it's like now they're like starting to think about it and it might just, it might like make a lot more sense once they're out there on their skis. Totally. Like, I completely agree with that. Like, 100%. Like, it's, it's what you that you pick up in the shop that really helps down down the track. Or you could maybe share that on some chairlift chat with someone else who's like, ah, oh, I need to go and see a boot fit. And they could actually be like, no, you just need to like, pull your leggings out of your socks or see yep. how you did your tongue a little weirdly. Like, impart whatever knowledge you pick up from the boot fitter too onto like someone else. It can save someone's day. Yeah, it can go a long way. That's a great point. So then there's, you know, that customization process. And now, you know, someone's like feeling pretty darn good in their boot, like whatever percentage that may be. I don't know if we want to assign a number to it. But like they're 100. (laughs) (laughs) You feel 100%. I don't know. I've never felt 100% in ski boots. (laughs) You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, you know, a good 90, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but then thereafter, like, what are the things that you want people to know as far as, like, just longevity of their boot? Like, what can they do to kind of set themselves up for success in the long term? Like, obviously, we're in this particular episode, we're not going super deep into, like, stance balancing or what, like, the purpose of a custom insole is or anything like that. So, of course, there's, like, a lot of different factors that can really bring people all the way to that, like, excellent feeling in their boot. Um, But when it comes to, like, they have the boot, they've gotten it kind of dialed into their foot, it's feeling pretty good. What are some of the things you just want people to think about as far as, like, longevity, even just, like, caring for their boots, um, year in and year out, and just some of the stuff that kind of helps like from one season to the next. Totally. Um, in these here modern times, nothing lasts forever, young children. Um, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> you know, the, the, the old adage of like, well, I've had my ski boots for 10 to 12 years. They don't make them like they used to. And it's like, well, no, you had your boots for far too long and that plastic was getting dangerous and you must be like slopping around in your boots. So mm-hmm. have a realistic expectation as to how long your boot's going to last. Um, like anything, if you use it too much, it's going to wear out too quickly. If you don't use it, the shelf life is going to wear it out as well. So manufacturers will say, okay, we give you 200 days on our liner or whatever it is. Take that with a grain of salt. Like I have some ski patrollers who have their boots for five years and they probably should change them after one year. I have some ski patrollers that have their boots and change them out every year. It comes down to what you feel comfortable and confident in. But if you're finding like one of the biggest flags in terms of say changing your boots out is if you're finding you're just struggling to find that comfy point. Like you used to have a comfy comfy point and now you don't. Like your buckles are kind of not sitting correctly or the pat- you're just getting so much padding in your boot or you're like going through your second custom liner. Like that's a flag that maybe it's time to change that whole package um so not everything lasts forever the foot yeah and that was going to be my next thing you are so right the foot changes like be it you had an injury it could have been a hip 
Like that can change your your feet and the fit. Um, women, we go through a whole bunch of interesting hormonal stuff that can really change your fit over time as well. Um, plastics, you know, some of these new thin modern plastics, uh, we don't really know how long they kind of last for as of this stage in terms of like when they get to the brittle point and they crack. So just keeping in check with how your boot is feeling. You know, if you're finding the drive and the plastic of the boot just isn't feeling as you want it to, that's something that we really can't change a whole lot of as boot fitters. So that can be an indicator that it's trying time to change the boot. Um, don't ever put up with something getting worse and worse. Don't be a ski patroller um, with looking after your yeah, feet. You're going to pay for it. It's going to get out of control. <laughs> because then it gets to a point where like no matter what we do, you've left it too long. It's never going to work. Um, but just realize like three to five years for the average skier is like a good life of ski boots. Uh, for those living on a more, like living more locally skiing or skiing, say 30 years a day, 30 years a day, 30 (laughs) days a year, um, you might be more on like the three-year end of the scale. Uh, there are really cool aftermarket liners out there that if you're loving the shell and how it skis, you can pop in an aftermarket liner. Um, but just being in tune with how your boots are making you feel. Please, please, please keep an eye on your heel and toe pieces. We call them ass and titties. But make sure that those are kept in good shape. It's great, this whole new replaceable heel and toe piece technology. Sometimes you have them in stock, sometimes you don't. But that makes life so much easier and so much safer, um, changing those out. This new grip walk business is awesome. I feel like I can power walk in my ski boots because I'm usually running late to go somewhere or meet people. And it's like, yes, I am safe and secure. Uh, but they are replaceable too. So just keep an eye on your parts. Um, certain things are replaceable. You know, when they stop making a particular boot, they'll make parts for a couple of years and then stop. So don't expect that you can still get a part for a ski boot seven years later because you won't be able to, unfortunately. Um, you know, I fit one of my first years boot fitting, I fit a 93 year old in a new pair of ski boots. So understand that we're just skiing longer and longer at 50 years old. That's not going to be your last pair of ski boots. I'm sorry. My parents are like in their mid to late sixties and seventies. And I like thinking of taking up skiing. You're never too old to get a new pair of ski boots. So like, great point. Come on. Um, (laughs) Don't expect your ski boots to last you for another 20 years or something because they just won't. Totally. I think that's good. And then it's also, there's just like a couple basic things like, well, first of all, before, like, don't let it get to like the point where you're like, your toe piece has like cracked off and you're like walking into the shop. Like, can you fix this? You know, kind of keep an eye on these things and yeah. be like, oh, it's looking like it's wearing down a little bit because that is your inter- interface to the binding. And it's absolutely crucial as far as your safety and your, you know, the release value functioning as it should. Um, and then also just like little things like keeping your boots buckled when you're storing yes. them, that can make such a big difference. Um, I think like every boot fitter cringes when they see a boot that's just like splayed open and the plastic just like won't make itself round again. 
my little T-Rex arms can't close your ski boots if they've been <laughs> open for like two years. Like, come on, folks. Very difficult. But also, like one of my spiels I'll give folks, especially who are buying some of the newer thinner walled plastics, like these plastics are super thermoresponsive. So mm, don't let them get too hot. Like keep an eye on your in-floor heating. Like I've seen um, boots warp because of that. Don't keep them in the attic. Don't keep them in like a heated, like a super heated room, like with a water heater or whatever because they will soften um, and they'll, they'll kind of distort in shape. Um, yeah, these new plastics are super lightweight and because of that, or super lightweight, super thin, um, they just they don't deal well with excess heat. By all means, if you know you're going to ski on a particular day, when you're having brekkie, pop your boots near a warm source. It makes them so much easier to put on, let's be honest, but don't leave them there overnight. And if you've gone to see a boot fitter for some help with your liner or whatever else, use a boot dry. Don't attempt to be pulling your liner in and out of the ski boot. You'll end up with horrible knuckles like me and fingers, um, but you'll damage all of that extra padding that's been put in place to try and hold you um, in a particular position within the boot and create some more longevity with your liner. So so just be a little sensible and calculated with how you look after your ski boots. But yes. heat is heat is a tricky one. Uh, that being said, don't leave your boots in the car overnight because you won't be able to put them in in the morning. Bring That's me a cup of tea good. in the morning and I will heat your boots up and put them on for you. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, always, I always said, like, they are the most expensive footwear you own. So just treat them like such. Yeah. Carry your boots on your person when you're flying because oh, yes. you don't want to end up in some really cool, exciting place to go skiing and you don't have your ski boots because they lost your baggage. In your carry-on bag, you should have a pair of socks. You should have your boots. If you ski in a helmet or goggles, you should have that and maybe your ski pants because that way you can start skiing the next day. No worries whatsoever. Um, if your boots get lost, like you're then renting boots, they don't feel the same, uh, or you're having to go through that process and buy new boots. It's not ideal. Like learn from my mistakes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I think that's all super valuable. And just some of those good reminders. Um, and some of the things that people can just think as they like approach their next purchase of ski boots, um, you know, how they want to go about that process and the kind of interaction and relationship they want to have with their boot fitter. And I think all these are super helpful reminders and just some of the things that it's kind of easy to forget or not think about as much because it is a unique process in the purchasing and customization and long-term care of our ski boots. It's very intimate as well. It is. Uh, I have seen a lot of relationships formed in the boot fit room between boot fitter and customer. Um, not for me, but it's like, it's kind of cute. Like you get to see and meet really cool people. I've got now people who I'm friends with, um, from being their boot fitter, getting to know their whole family, their extended family, or just fascinating people from around the world um, as a boot fitter. So don't be afraid to share your story with the, with a boot fitter and boot fitters always love snacks. Yeah. Snacks, coffee. I mean, you name it. All right. Well, I think those are all really great reminders. And as we are nearing ski season, I don't want to scare you too much, Sam, because I know you have to do a lot before now and the winter. I just think these are really good things for people to think about and just like some of those really basic but 
important reminders when it comes to how to go about buying a ski boot. Um, So thanks for kind of walking through some of those with me. Absolutely. I feel like the more information people get, the the easier decision making can be. And sometimes knowing like where the nutty boot fitter's mind is at, like ask questions and, and you will succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just really like having that through line of communication at all times is so important. And I mean, you know, we're here to listen. As you can tell, people like myself and Sam, we're super passionate about it. Um, It's this kind of real niche thing where we like look at a ton of feet and like (laughs) just kind of (laughs) always grappling with really harsh plastics and like bleeding. We don't have a foot fetish. Well, I don't. I don't know about you. I don't. I have shared a room with you and you didn't touch my feet and it was great. But yeah, so we, we're really into feet. Um, boots are obviously so important to this whole experience. And so just keep some of this in mind as you venture into your next ski boot purchase or as you start to pull your ski boots out for the ski season, which is just around the corner. And I know Sam has more boot fitting appointments to get back to. She kind of broke up her day full of appointments in order to talk on these subjects with me. So thank you so much for making that happen, Sam. You are so welcome. And everyone, don't be afraid to call your favorite boot fitter and make an appointment. They love appointments. Yeah, totally. And so before Sam gets on the road for MasterFit this fall, she will be back for part two of this series. And for part two, we are going to be calling on you guys, our listeners, to ask us some questions. We are really curious to hear some of the questions you have about boot fitting. Some of them could be more general or like something more particular about your unique situation. But we would love to hear what you listeners have as far as um, some of the questions around boot fitting and how to get to that process in a boot where you can just ski comfortably without having to think about it as much. So please reach out to us with questions and we will be back here in a couple weeks. Thank you for your time. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody. Well, that wraps up our part one of a very deep dive on boot fitting. Thank you so much to Sam for talking through some of that with me. And again, this is a reminder to you all, the listeners, to reach out to us with any questions you have for part two. I'll sit down with Sam and we will go through any questions we receive. So get those to us as soon as possible. Again, via the contact us form on the Blister website. And that then brings us to this week's edition of what we're celebrating While it's been a bit of a crazy and maybe slightly frantic few weeks, I am super excited that in about 24 hours, I am going to be back with my partner, Zach, skiing in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's been out there for about six weeks and I've been missing him a whole lot, but I'm also just jumping straight from biking and farming and working on the buyer's guide to jumping in my ski boots and hoping for the best. So I am raising this can of New Image Brewing's Fanny Pack, a really delicious beer if I do say so myself, to the fact that I get to ski in just a few days. But I'm also raising it to the fact that I have an amazing team that I get to work with at Blister. We just are accomplishing this amazing feat of getting our annual buyer's guide out. And they also are like, yeah, go skiing in New Zealand. We support that. So what an amazing group of people I get to work with. Thank you so much to this awesome team of colleagues. I really do appreciate you. And also thanks to Jonathan, who is letting me take the reins on this boot fitting series. And I am so excited to share more about boot fitting with you all. So cheers to that. And I also want to give a big thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. 
With that, we'll talk to you all again super soon and stay tuned for part two. All right. Thanks, everybody.